Before we get to this week's episode, let's talk about our friends over at Roman. Roman swipes are convenient over-the-counter wipes that are clinically proven to help you last longer in bed. Dudes, did your ears perk up a little bit? Maybe something else did. They are uniquely formulated to reduce overstimulation without eliminating sensation altogether. In a 2019 study, Roman swipes were proven to increase time to orgasm by more than four times. To use, just remove the disposable swipe from its discrete pocket size pack, wipe it on the most sensitive part of your cack, and allow it to dry for about five minutes. When used as directed, Roman swipes will leave no scent or taste, so there is no transfer to you or your partner. They are safe, effective, and no prescription is needed. All orders include free two-day shipping and will arrive in unmarked packaging, so nobody knows what's showing up. Try today for as little as $2.75 per swipe. Head to GetRoman.com and get $15 off your first order by taking the free consultation. Do it today. That is GetRoman.com. And now, let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Between the Tackles, an NFL podcast hosted by yours truly, Matt Tweed. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are new and it's your first time listening, thank you so much for stumbling across this podcast. You can find us on all platforms, streaming podcasts, your Spotify, your Google, your Apple. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, and download to the podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes that we drop. If you are a continued listener, thank you so much for for tuning back in. We appreciate it. We appreciate the support, the love, and thank you for continuing to ride with us as we go through this NFL season. All right, so if you're new, we basically recap every episode, um, or we recap every NFL episode with the previous week. Um, We go through all the games, kind of whether the team covered or not, the home team, um, what the lines were, what happened, if there was any big kind of storylines or changes. We then preview the week that's coming up. So in this case, it is week 14. Um, We'll recap week 13 from last week. And then we will go to the final segment, which is the gambling corner. Um, We'll probably give a standings update too um, before we preview week 14. But we'll do the gambling corner at the end, which includes a recap of last week's bets and then the best bets and then the tweed trifecta. Best bets being what I think are straight up best bets to hit for the weekend, and then the tweet trifecta, which is usually a parlay and a teaser that we'll go over. We'll call those exotics too. Um, So without further ado, we're going to jump right in. Um, We will talk about last week's games and recap those. So last week's Thursday night game, let me make sure I'm on the right week here. I wasn't. I was on week 14, which is this week. So recapping last week, last week's Thursday night game was between the uh, Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. So um, the Patriots opened as six-point underdogs, and they closed um, at four-point underdogs. Not sure why FanDuel has NA on all of these. Maybe it's because it's a week. I'm recording this on a Thursday, and it was a week ago. Well, so basically we'll just kind of look at the consensus of where everything kind of ended up. Um, I remember, at least on FanDuel, most closed at at four, so they were plus four. The Patriots were at home. Um, I know a lot of people were on either the three and a half or the four because they thought that the Bills, you know, had been struggling a bit and the Patriots could stifle them a little bit in terms of their defense. That did not happen. Um, The Bills 
beat them pretty soundly. Um, it wasn't very much of a close game at all. Um, let me pull up the final score here. I should have been way more prepared. I was. Everything just kind of went to shit um, when I started this. Um, Bills won by 14, 24 to 10. Um, just terrible play calling. Uh, Mac Jones looked fine. Um, here's the thing about Mac Jones that we have to get we have to get wrapped around our minds. He is what he is. Very, very low ceiling. I mean, there's not, I wouldn't say a high floor, but like a base level floor, very low ceiling. He's very average. He sometimes makes really bad throws, can't hit big throws, makes bad mistakes, but then sometimes has games where he's 22 of 36 for, for 190 and a touchdown, which is what he was. He doesn't do anything spectacular. He doesn't do anything horrible, though, for the most part. Um, so you're getting very consistent play, but the very consistent play is very average. Um, they lose the Patriots to 24 to 10. They do not cover the four or the three and a half, wherever you got it. All right, Jaguars taking on the Lions. This was a bet that I thought was a home run, was a shoe-in. There was no way it wasn't going to hit. I thought the Jaguars were much better than the Lions. However, the Lions have been on a bit of a streak here. If I remember correctly, I'm going to pull up their schedule. Um, They've won, what is that, three out of their last four? Yeah, beat the Packers, beat the Bears, beat the Giants, lost to the Bills, and beat the Lions. Or sorry, beat the Jaguars. So, um, sorry, four out of their last five, they've won. So, and they play the Vikings this weekend, and they're favored at home, which is kind of wild. A five and seven team is favored at home against a ten and two team. I think this is probably more because of the way that they've been playing and who they've beat. Um, but this was one that I thought was an easy home run for the Jags. Uh, the Lions opened at minus one. It basically stayed around that number, one and a half, one, depending on where you looked. Um, I thought this was a slam dunk for the Jaguars to win. They got absolutely thrashed. Trevor Lawrence didn't play horrible, but he didn't play great. Jared Goff played incredible, 31 of 41 for 340 and two touchdowns. Swift had a rushing touchdown. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown had two receiving touchdowns. I mean, just an incredible output from, from the Lions, who, by the way, everybody gives them crap about their defense. Their defense, the last few games... Gave up nine points to the Packers. They did give up 30 to the Bears, but the Bears have actually been scoring 30 consistently recently when uh, Justin Fields plays. But they only gave up 18 to the Giants, only 28 to the Bills, which they kind of do regularly anyway, and then only 14 points to the Jags. So if you're telling me about defenses and how bad their defense is, I mean, over the past few weeks, hasn't been that bad. We can look, I mean, overall... If we're looking at, um, if we're looking at DVOA for the for the Jaguar or sorry for the Lions, I'm trying to log in here to to uh, Football Outsiders to get this loaded, but it's not going. Anyway, we'll we'll come back to that hopefully. Um, maybe not. Looks like something's going on with this website. Um, okay, moving on. We will go to the next game here which is Commanders versus Giants. Giants closed at about two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. 
This was one that, you know, I thought was pretty pretty spot on in terms of the price. You know, if, if I could have gotten maybe the Giants at plus three, I would have taken it. I would have liked that number. Um, I didn't like that it was two and a half. I thought, you know, if the, if the Commanders win by three, that's not a great hook. Um, but I wasn't confident in taking either one. And actually, it kind of shows because this was a tie. <laughs> um, I think that there was probably a sentiment on both sides of each of these teams where they were like, well, a tie doesn't really hurt either one of us and it doesn't really help either one of us. So neither one was super aggressive when it came to the overtime and when it came to the end of the game. they It looks like they both were kind of just okay with tying. Which, like, listen, I don't love that in terms of a competitive standpoint, but when you're looking out for the playoff implications for either in your playoff picture, which we'll get to a little bit later, the, the tie didn't do anything for either one. It didn't hurt, but it didn't help. Um, it probably did more help than it did hurt, but it didn't hurt you in any way. So it was okay that you were settling for for the tie. Um, and honestly, Washington actually probably saved themselves a little bit with the tie instead of a loss. So, And Giants right now are fine. They can't lose a, a whole lot more games, but either way, I think they were. it was understandable that both these teams ended up playing for the tie, even though as somebody watching and as a competitor, you hate that. Um, but Giants cover. Commanders do not because they tied 20-20. to 20. Packers taking on the Bears. This one hurt. Um, Bears closed at about three and a half in most most places, three and a half point underdogs. Um, this one was really close for most of the game. The Bears were up 16 to three. Um, and then in the second half, the Bears got outscored, I believe, 17 to three. So game ended up being 28 to 19. Packers winning. Bears do not cover the three and a half, but this was a game where they should have covered and were winning most of the game and probably should have should have ended up covering this one. Um, the Bears defense just fell apart, and then Fields was forced to be very, very aggressive and threw a couple bad picks. He had one bad pick, which I would put on the receiver and him. More on the receiver, but they both made mistakes. And the, um, the interception at the end of the game, that was just trying to make a play um, when it was inconsequential. They couldn't win the game. So all that said, two, one bad pick, but the other pick doesn't really matter. And honestly, the first pick could be more blamed on the receiver than Fields. I don't want to be the guy that just blames everybody else but Fields because I've been very critical of him. But he's been playing really, really well as of late. And I feel like he was playing really well in this game until the last couple drives. And the knock on Fields recently has been, okay, well, in these final drives – He's been really bad. Well, there's been a lot of evidence that's come out video-wise that he's not the problem on these drives. He he contributes a little bit to them, but he's not the full problem. Um, so here we are. Packers cover the three and a half. They win 28 to 19. Jets taking on the Vikings. Vikings closed at about a three-point favorite at home against the Jets in most places that you look. Um, they actually end up covering this game. There was twice where the Jets could have either covered this game or won this game twice in the red zone. They don't score in either one. They had to go for two on both of them. Mike White goes 57 passes for 370 yards, but two picks, no touchdowns. Um, the only touchdown they got was actually a Mike White run in the fourth quarter. Everything else was field goals. Um, Vikings didn't look incredibly great either, but they got the touchdowns when they needed them. They got the stops when they needed them, um, and they win the game. They cover the three. They win 27-22. Browns taking on Texans. Browns, uh, or sorry, Texans ended up closing at seven and a half point underdogs at home. Um, this is one that, like, listen, I 
I didn't want to bet because I wasn't sure about what Deshaun Watson was going to do, and I didn't love the Browns' defense. But this was the one where the Browns actually, their defense and their special teams was incredible. Um, so they had a interception return. They had a punt return. No offensive production. Watson was terrible, very rusty, but they still end up covering the seven and a half because of their defense and special teams. They win 27 to 14. Titans taking on the Eagles. Eagles closed. They actually opened at minus six and a half, but then closed everywhere about four and a half. Um, and they ended up blowing this game and blowing the doors off this game. Traylon Burks went down, and I think that was definitely a blow to the Titans' offense because it was 14 to 10 in the second quarter when he went down, um, and then touchdown, touchdown, touchdown for the Eagles after that last field goal, and then Traylon Burks goes down. They end up winning. They cover the 4.5, and, and they win 35-10. to 10. They win by 25. Listen, I want to talk about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts for a second. Um, so... I think we got to get to the point now where... We've got to get to the spot that we have to start saying, I think the Eagles are for real. And listen, I Nick Wright has said this, and I, I tend to I tend to agree with him on this point. Um I tend to agree that the the playoff performance of last year from Hertz and the Eagles was so bad, only scoring 15 points, that it's really tough to like believe until you see it differently. Like it, it, it's going to be really, and, and the Kyler thing is kind of fair too. Like if, if for some reason the Arizona Cardinals were good again this year or decent enough to make the playoffs again, you would go, man, that Kyler performance from last year when they were like 11 and one was so bad. I have to get something out of that to get the taste out of my mouth, something better than that. And it's kind of the same thing with the Eagles right now, but I cannot deny what the hell they're doing. I mean, they're freaking incredible. Jalen Hurts is playing out of his mind, just unreal. I mean, they're DVOA numbers. They're third in DVOA. Third in offensive DVOA. Sixth in defensive DVOA. They're incredible. I mean, if we just want to look at their offensive DVOA, like... It's amazing what they're doing. They're first in rushing by a mile. Four percentage points better than Baltimore and Dallas, who we were now as Dallas is maybe the best rushing offense. But Philadelphia is way better than that. And they're still third in pass. Now Miami and Kansas City are definitely way ahead of them, but they're third in pass offense too in DVO in terms of DVOA. They're incredible. We 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 have to make sure that we give this team the just due. That does not mean that we have to necessarily think that they're going to be incredible in the playoffs, but we have to recognize and talk about what they're doing in the regular season offensively and defensively. Okay. Steelers and Falcons. This is one I was big on. People were telling me I was crazy. I hammered the Steelers' money line. I hammered them when they were underdogs. They ended up being favorites by the end of it. They swapped. They opened at plus one and a half, and then the Falcons ended up being the underdog at home. I hammered the Steeler, the Steelers. I thought they were the better team. I think they're the better coach team. Um, this game was not as close as the score actually shows. It was 19-6 to going into the third, and then a touchdown and a field goal at the end kind of made this inconsequential. But, I mean, 
Steelers, while they were ended up being favored, you would have loved them to be the plus one and a half that they started at because you would have been able to buffer it in case, you know, something happens with overtime or whatnot. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I I thought the Steelers were just overall better, and so I bet them money line and spread. Um, they ended up closing at minus one. They still cover, though, 19-16. Broncos, Ravens. Listen, I don't want to go too, too much into this game. This was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen in my life. I know Lamar went down, but Huntley was capable enough to win this game. It took a missed um it took a missed field goal by McManus of 65 yards for the Baltimore Ravens to sneak out of this one. So if you had them in parlay pieces on the money line, you got lucky. Um this game was so ugly. Ravens closed at minus eight and a half. They win by one, ten to nine. It was nine to three going into the fourth quarter. And Huntley got a touchdown with 28 seconds left. Just awful. Another game where the Broncos hold the team to less than 10 or ten points or less, and they still can't win. Just insane. Can we get to the point now where I think that that might be the worst contract in sports? Definitely in football, but maybe in sports. Like, the Russell Wilson contract's terrible. There's no way around it. I don't know what else to say. It's just awful. Okay, next game, we're getting into the 4 o'clock hour here. The, the 4 o'clock hour was great. Um, Dolphins first taking on the 49ers. 49ers closed at about maybe 5.5 or 6, depending on where you look. Um, favorites at, at home. Um, Jimmy G goes down. He gets hurt. The initial reports were that he was going to have surgery most likely. He'd be out for the year. Now it sounds like he doesn't have to have surgery. He may be back for the playoffs. But it sounds like Brock Purdy, who came in and actually didn't play horrible. 25 of 37, 210, two touchdowns and one pick. Pick's going to happen. It's not shocking for a, a third stringer who probably doesn't take any reps. He's probably taking a little bit of reps, but no first team reps in practice to come in. Um so everybody's looking at – there's kind of this divide right now on the Tua thing. And the divide with the Tua thing is they're looking at this game, which the 49ers won by 16. They covered the spread, obviously. They played really well. But they're they're looking at this kind of Tua thing, and they're going, well, he was 18 of 33. He had 295, two touchdowns, and two picks. Tyreek Hill had an amazing game, nine receptions, 146, a touchdown. And we're, we're trying to figure out – whether this was just a bad Tua game or whether it was a really, really good defense in the 49ers and that caused a bad Tua game or if the conversation is, man, thing, when things are going really well and Tua plays bad defenses, he's really good. But when Tua plays really tough defenses, he can't rise above and he can't carry. He needs to be carried. So I'm going to pull up Miami's schedule here and you tell me because right now they're 8-4. and four. Here are their four losses. Their four losses are to the Bengals, understandable, to the Jets, where they got blown out, to the Vikings, and now to the 49ers. Those are their four losses. Those four losses, playoff team, playoff team, playoff team, playoff team. Just saying. Their wins, Patriots, not a playoff team. Ravens, where they were not winning at all, and they came back and had that incredible fourth quarter, but a win. They'll probably be a playoff team. The Bills, Playoff team. But here we go. 
Steelers, not a playoff team. Lions, not a playoff team. Bears, not a playoff team. Browns, not a playoff team. Texans, not a playoff team. Their last few wins when they went on a little bit of a streak, they played the Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns, Texans. You want to know who the quarterbacks are? Kenny Pickett, Jared Goff, Justin Fields, good, but the defense is terrible. Browns with Brissett, Davis Mills or Kyle Allen, whoever was the quarterback then, and then Brock Purdy you couldn't beat. But the defense is great. Here's the thing I want. Here's what what I'm just getting at. Some of the wins, the Bills win's good. The Ravens win ended up being good. The Patriots win's not that great. But the last few wins where Tua's been playing great, he's been playing bad defenses or bad quarterbacks on the other end, so he got the ball a lot. They only beat the Steelers 16-10 to anyway. And in that game, he was okay, but not great. So... The Tua conversations is interesting because I kind of stand where I still need more. I kind of stand on the fence still. I haven't made a decision. I was not I was against him, then I swayed over, but then there's then I sway back when I look at the competition and you know, I I'm kind of just I'm I'm in no man's land right now with Tua. But the conversation is does he need to be carried or can he carry? And when he plays bad teams, he's really good, but when he plays good defenses, he's bad. Well, that would just be the NFL. But Even really, really good quarterbacks against good defenses have great games. Listen, we're not comparing him to Mahomes. I'm not comparing him to Allen. I'm not comparing him to Brady or Rodgers. But if you want to be considered a top-flight elite quarterback in this league, you got to win games against all defenses, not just bad ones. I mean, even the Ravens game, the Ravens don't have a good defense this year. If you want to look at DVOA, they're ninth, but their pass defense is 11th, so somewhat middle of the pack. And I think that's a bit much. From what I've seen from their secondary, it's not that great when I watch them. So the two of conversations interesting. All that said, though, it's a tough loss for Miami, and the schedule gets tough. They play the Chargers on Sunday night, then they play the Bills, then it's Packers, Patriots, Jets. That's a really rough schedule. I mean, they'll probably beat the Packers, but Patriots are at home, and you're going to probably have a de facto somewhat get into the playoffs game with the Jets. We were all talking about Cincinnati, but because Miami just lost to the 49ers, now the Bengals with a tied record with them, they have the tiebreaker over them because they beat them head-to-head. So now you're basically going Chargers, Patriots, Jets, and Dolphins for the last two playoff spots. And they play the Chargers on Sunday night. And they play the Jets and Patriots to end the year with the Packers sprinkled in there. It's gonna be a oh, it's gonna be a really interesting NFC East to end the year. Okay, next game. Seahawks taking on the Rams. This one was something else. Started at three and then got to six and a half when it closed. I was shocked because I thought Bryce Perkins was going to start, but again, apparently it was John Wolford. 14 to 26 for 175 and two picks. Not great. Cam Akers had two touchdowns, which is good to see him play well. Geno Smith was 28 of 39, 367 and three tutties. He had a pretty good game. But 
The six and a half, they don't cover. They only win by four. And this was one that Nick Wright on his gambling show pleaded with everybody. Just said, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is a trap. Don't do it. Now, when it was at three, it's a little better. They would have covered, but it wasn't at three. It was mostly at like six, six and a half. You didn't get it. Rams cover the six and a half. Chargers, Raiders, another good one. Raiders close at about two and a half. This started, it opened at them plus three. It closed at them minus two and a half. That should tell you how people feel about Brandon Saley and the Chargers right now. Even though I think they're, what, six and six? Yeah, 500. But anybody that has Justin Herbert, their team shouldn't be 500. That's my opinion. But um, all that said, Raiders play pretty well. Derek Carr, 16 to 30, two touchdowns. Herbert actually played really well. Just couldn't get any stops. Couldn't get the stops when they needed them. They couldn't get the touchdown at the end. Raiders win 27 to 20. They cover the two and a half. Best game of the day. Bengals taking on the Chiefs. Bengals closed at plus two and a half. And you know my rule. Anytime the Chiefs, whether home or away, are below a field goal, if they're at home, if they're less than a touchdown, I'm taking them. I hammered the Chiefs, and this one I thought I had a chance. I thought that the Chiefs, when they were driving to go up two scores, that this was going to be over. Travis Kelsey fumbles. Ryan Rossello has been on this for a little bit. He says that he thinks that, like, he doesn't know why he feels this way, but he feels this way. Um, He feels that Kelsey is, like, Every couple games, he just has like a major fuck up. He doesn't really know why, but he just feels that way. Um. So yeah, that happened in this game. He fumbles. They were driving. They probably would have gone up two scores. Instead, they fumble. Evan McPherson gets the um, gets a field goal to bring it within four instead of it being, you know, fourteen or ten. And then Chris Evans gets the touchdown at the end, and they win by three. So the, not only do the Bengals cover, but they win outright, and that then changes the number one seeding in the um, in the AFC to where now Buffalo is ahead of them, and they have the head-to-head win over them, so they're ahead of them by one. Schedules are definitely different. Chief schedules are Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. I could see them winning out. Um, Bill's schedule is a little different. Bill's schedule the rest of the way is Jets, Dolphins, Bears, Bengals, Patriots. So that Bengals game could end up being a de facto either one seed or, you know, two seed, depending on what the rest of the season looks like for both those teams. I seriously think the Chiefs could win out, though. I can see a 14 and three or a 13 and four. Um, I don't know if the Buffalo Bills can hold serve in that sense. I don't know if the Bengals can hold serve in that sense. However, we say all that. Everybody thinks the Bengals are going to end up being a really, really high seed, but the Ravens right now still have the, the tiebreaker over them, 2-0 in the division, and they're 8-4. and four. Now, obviously, Lamar being out changes that a little bit, but all that said, the Ravens technically have the upper hand in that one right now. All right, Sunday night game, Colts taking on the Cowboys. Cowboys closed at about 11.5, 10.5, depending on where you got it, or 11. Um, this game is, the score is super misleading. In the third quarter... At the end of the third, or about four minutes left, the Colts were were going for the two-point conversion to tie the game at 21. 
they lose this game, so that was going to make it 21-21. to It ended up being 21-19 going into the fourth quarter. Dallas up. 21-19 Dallas. This game ends up being 54-19 to Dallas wins. They score five touchdowns in the fourth quarter. One of which was a fumble recovery. The other ones came off of turnovers, fumbles and picks accordingly. Matt Ryan had three picks, and I believe somebody else had a, and Mo Alley Cox had a fumble. I'm pretty sure most of those came in either the third or the fourth quarter. Just a rough game for the Colts in the fourth, and this that keeps it, them from covering. Cowboys win um, 54-19, to and they cover the 11 or the 11 and a half, depending on where you get it. And finally, Monday night, Buccaneers taking on the Saints. Buccaneers close at three and a half point favorites. I hammered the Saints plus three and a half. I actually thought the Saints could win this outright. And there was a moment where they were, and they should have. They played terrible defense. It was awful. But the Buccaneers get a last minute, um, a last minute field goal, or sorry, last minute touchdown to win the game, seventeen to sixteen. But I cover the three and a half with the Saints. Saints cover that three and a half, sixteen seventeen. All right, let's look at the playoff standings as they are right now in the AFC and NFC before we start to recap, or sorry, before we preview week 14. So in the AFC, number one seed now is the Buffalo Bills at 9-3. and three. The Kansas City Chiefs are number two, also at 9-3, and three, but, can, uh, but Buffalo has the tiebreaker over Kansas City because of the head-to-head. Baltimore at three at eight and four. Cincinnati or sorry, Tennessee at 7-5. and five. The reason for that is they are leading the AFC South. The Ravens, oh, remember, just a reminder, there's only seven playoff spots. All top four seeds are division leaders. Um, Titans are a division leader in the AFC, the bad, bad AFC South. So they are 7-5. and five. They're going to end up making the playoffs. They're going to probably be the four seed just because of their record, and they're, they're not going to be very good. Um, record-wise, but they're going to make a top-four seed, which, again, we can talk about at some point. is just a joke. But Ravens at 8-4 at the three seed. Titans 7-5, and five, four seed. Bengals five seed also at 8-4. The reason they're not higher is because they're not a division leader and the Ravens have the tiebreaker over them. Um, Dolphins also at 8-4 and four in the sixth spot. Bengals have the tiebreaker over them head-to-head. Same record. Jets are the final playoff spot right now at the seven seed at 7-5. and five. Teams that are still in the hunt, you could call the Chargers. Anybody, I could say anybody maybe with seven losses, but I don't think so. I think it's really only any team with six losses. But if you want to talk about who's kind of vying for that last playoff spot, it's Jets, Char- Patriots, Chargers. Um, Patriots are at eight. They hold the tiebreaker over L.A. because of conference win percentage. But the Chargers are also tied right there at the eight spot at six and six. I wonder why I could have sworn only seven teams made the playoffs, but maybe eight do? Could have sworn it's only seven because there's only one bye. Yeah, okay. NFC. Eagles, number one seed, 11-1. and one. Vikings, number two seed, 10-2. and two. Just like last week, there are no tiebreakers. There are no shared records. There are no tiebreakers. Everything that you see is just straight up. 49ers. Eight and four, they're the third seed. Tampa Bay, by way of their terrible division at six and six, is in the four seed. I want to prepare everybody. I do this every week, but I'm just telling you, I want to prepare you for what's about to happen. I want to prepare you for who right now 
the Tampa Bay Bucks would be playing. They would be playing the Seahawks right now if everything holds serve. And and you think you think that Tom Brady going into or uh, Seattle going into to Tampa Oh sorry, right now Sorry, right now they play the Cowboys. That's different. I read this wrong. They play the Cowboys. That's a little different. But Dak versus Dak versus um, Tom. That's a good matchup. Love that. But that's a little different than Geno Smith going into Tampa and playing Tom Brady. I looked at those wrong. Okay, uh, New York at six, Dallas at five, Seattle at seven, and the Commanders at eight but still have a shot. Um, I don't really think anybody else has a, has a chance, but Detroit is, has come on strong. They're 5-7. and seven. However, we kind of looked at we looked at Detroit's schedule throughout the rest of the year. They've got to play the Jets, the Vikings, the Packers again. They play the Bears again, but, you know, they'll probably be tanking. Or they're still tanking. I don't think it's possible, but but they're there. They've been playing well. Can't deny it. Okay, let's dive into week 14 now. Let's roll through these. So, again, recording this on a Thursday, so if you listen to this, you'll probably catch this on a Friday, maybe even Saturday. So this game will already be over when you're listening to it. However, Rams close at about 6.5-point underdogs at home. Um, Raiders, 6.5-point favorites. I don't know if I don't know where I'm going to land on this. It's probably perfectly priced. Um, I'm not going to bet this one. I don't love Thursday night games. If anything, maybe take the under. But um, I definitely don't want to lay seven points or six and a half points to win by seven with Derek Carr. But I also don't want to trust John Wolford. So I'm going to stay away from that one. Sunday, Titans close at three and a half point favorites against the Jags. Listen, this one could be a trap game. Everybody's going, oh, we just got blown out by the Lions. How could you bet the Jaguars? I don't necessarily disagree with that stance. I'm going to stay away as well. If it gets to three... Maybe, maybe I bet the Titans um, at three and a half. It looks good for the Jags, but I just don't trust. I don't trust either team, so I'm going to stay away. But if I had a lean, it would probably be probably be Jaguars, just because I think the public's going to see what the game was against the Lions and be heavy on the Titans. But the Titans didn't look great either, so who knows? Bills taking on the Jets. Bills favored by nine and a half right now on FanDuel. I kind of want to pull up where the public is on this one. This one seems like it could be pretty split. Sixty-one percent of the bets are on the Jets, but eighty percent of the money, oof, is on the Bills. Man, if this was ten, I'd like it more. That's just probably why people are on the Bills. Um, I still think the Jets can keep it close. I still think the Jets can can do some damage. I would take 9.5. If it gets to 10 closer to game time, take the 10 with the Jets. Stay away maybe before that. But if I'm leaning, I like the 9.5 with the Jets still. I think they can keep it within a touchdown or add a touchdown. Ravens-Steelers. This was opened at Raven. This was probably favored by the Ravens before the injury. Now the Steelers are favored by 2.5 at home. 
I mean, the Steelers have, have looked better than they did all year, and Tyler Huntley didn't look good, but now you give Tyler Huntley a whole week of preparation against the Steelers with Kenny Pickett. I think the Steelers can win this one outright. Or sorry, the Ravens can win this one outright. I'm going to stay away from this one. I would probably take, if it gets to three, I'd love it. Um, I don't I don't like it right now at two and a half. But if it can get to three, I mean, I like it either way because I think they can win outright, but I'd love the number to be safe at three. Eagles taking on the Giants. Five and a half now to six and a half at FanDuel. Giants are road, or sorry, home dogs. Let me see where the public is with this one. At seven, everybody's big on the Giants, but at six and a half, it probably is sticking with um, the Eagles. People think the Eagles could probably win by a touchdown, but at seven, you're getting you know you're getting your money at least to push. Um, bunch of money on the Giants. I would say I'm going to continue to just believe in the Eagles. I'm going to take them minus six and a half. Browns taking on the Bengals. Bengals favored by six and a half at home. It opened at three and a half. It's been bet up a ton. I'm going to assume here that the public's big on Cleveland. Money's big on Cleveland, but the bets are big on the Bengals at minus six. But it's six and a half a lot of places. Six and a half at FanDuel. Listen, I don't know if Deshaun Watts is going to improve so much from week to week. He's ha- He's been practicing for a few weeks now. I'm going to believe in Joe Burrow. I'm going to take the Bengals minus six and a half. But I don't love it. But six and a half against a quarterback who really couldn't get anything going. The Bengals aren't going to have all the mistakes that the Texans did. Man, I think the Bengals can win this one by a touchdown, so I would take the Bengals minus six and a half. All right, Vikings taking on the Lions. Lions opened at plus two and a half, but now they are favored. can't remember the last time the, the Lions were favored against a team that was good, um, let alone 10 and two. This just continues to show you that DVOA, doesn't really love Minnesota. I mean, is this offense? No, defensive DVOA overall. Minnesota's 20th. In total DVOA, they're 18th. Detroit's right behind them in a lot of spots. So that's probably why they're ranked and, and favored at home. Uh, I mean, minus one and a half. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I really like the way the Lions are playing. I would stay away, but if I'm leaning to a side, man, I'm leaning to the Lions. All the numbers just tell me that the Vikings aren't nearly as good as their record. So I'm going to go the Lions, minus one and a half. Hopefully win by a field goal. Texans taking on the Cowboys. Cowboys favored by now 16 and a half. It opened at 14 and a half. I think this line's a bit inflated because of what they ended up doing against the Colts. But everybody's on. Everybody's on the, the the Cowboys. There is a system play though, according to Action Network. Fade covering teams. Basically, what that means is teams that are frequently covering the number by a large margin, they're bound to have a bad game overall at some point and not cover that big number. Um, and so this is basically why people are just saying fade them at sixteen and a half. Would love if you could get this at seventeen, but it looks like it's sixteen and a half at FanDuel. I don't. I'm. I'm never going to bet on the Texans, but this number's massive. I'd love to tease this one down, maybe get it down to like nine and a half. But sixteen and a half is huge. Kansas City taking on Denver. Listen, Denver stinks, but their defense is really good. 
I think I think I'm going to stay away from this one. Listen, if it was at seven, I'd take it, but it's nine and a half. I just I know Denver's defense is really really freaking good, and the Chiefs have struggled at times to get offense doing really well. But all the metrics for for Kansas City's offense is still really good. I mean, in that Bengals game, um, Shil Kapadia said this on on Ryan Rosillo's podcast. Like they only had um, seven. I think they said seven real drives. The Chiefs did. And they still still scored twenty points, so they were still really efficient on the drives, the real drives that they had. So that's why I keep kind of like thinking, man. Even though the defense is really good, like they're still really efficient offensively. But nine and a half points against the Broncos defense is just too much. So I'm going to stay away. Um, nine and a half seems like perfectly priced. Seahawks taking on the Carolina Panthers. Seahawks open at seven. It's been bet down to four. Um, I think this is probably just people riding the the wave of the Panthers. Um, I'm going to take Seahawks minus four and not look back. Rams, or sorry, Rams. Buccaneers taking on the 49ers. Brock Purdy will start for this one. Opened at minus five and a half because of the Brock Purdy thing. It's been bet down to three and a half. I just don't know what this Buccaneers offense is going to do against this against this defense. If it gets to three, I'd like the 49ers. At three and a half, I like the Buccaneers. I think this game ends up being a field goal game. So three and a half Buccaneers. If it gets to three, take the 49ers, and maybe you can push if they win, if they win or, you know, whatever, by a field goal. Dolphins taking on Chargers Sunday night. Chargers opened at plus one and a half. It's now plus three and a half. Um, I think this is one where the Chargers can really do some damage against Tua. Um, I'm going to take the Chargers plus three and a half, and they may win outright. Patriots taking on the Cardinals. This is interesting. Cardinals stay at plus one and a half. That's where it opened. It's where it is. I don't know why. I don't know why you wouldn't bet the Patriots in this spot. Cardinals are a mess. Cliff Kingsbury is getting yelled at by Kyler. They're fighting on the sideline. Patrick Peterson says that Kyler Murray only cares about himself. He claps back. His team is in total disarray. I don't think the Patriots are very good, but I think they're better than the Cardinals. I think they're more than a half a point and a half better than the Cardinals. Minus one and a half. Give me the Patriots. Taking them Monday night. Minus one and a half. Okay. Let's get into the gambling corner. So to start the gambling corner, we will recap last week's best bets and the Tweed Trifecta. So last week's best bets, I gave out Pittsburgh Moneyline. I said you could also take the plus one and a half if you wanted to. Um Either way, we hit both. Um, I had Pittsburgh money line that hit. I had same thing though with Jags money line. I said take the money line or take the one and a half. They'll both hit. Neither one did. That one lost. But I also then said think about taking Browns minus seven. I ended up taking it. I said wait though if you could get six and a half, you couldn't. Um, it actually got to seven and a half. However, you would have hit both. I hit Browns minus seven. So we were two and one on the best bets. For the tweet trifecta, we had a four-team money line parlay. Browns, Seahawks, Cowboys, Ravens. That hits. That was plus 140-ish. So you got plus money there with that four-team added. Those hit. Unfortunately, though, the teaser, the Ravens only winning by one killed us. We had them at minus one and a half. 
Um, but the Browns won and the Seahawks minus one both hit. So we lose the teaser, but we were we were close. Um, and if the Ravens do anything on offense, we win that. And we basically almost sweep the weekend um, when it comes to the NFL. That was podcast bets. Let me give you my personal bets for the weekend or from the weekend. Sorry, let me go to the NFL. I had a rough weekend outside of the podcast when it came to the NFL. Um, yikes. Um, I did end up taking on Thursday. I took the under in the Thursday night game. That hit. Um, it was under 45. Um, I had a 16, uh, 16 parlay that did not hit. Um, low low stakes on that one. I had a five-team parlay that missed by one with Kansas City losing. Bummer for that one. That was going to hit me a, a bunch of money. I had a seven-point teaser um, that was Atlanta plus eight, Dallas minus one and a half, and Jets plus ten. Again, Baltimore minus one and a half killing us with the Lamar injury kind of hurt us too. I did have a parlay of Cleveland to win, but then Kansas City plus four and a half. Even though they lost, I still hit that one. Um, so overall, not terrible. I was three and three overall on non-podcast bets, and then um, three and two on podcast bets. Um, so nothing terrible. But looking at this weekend, best bets. Here we go. Some tough games here. Okay. So best bets for the weekend. I'm going to go Eagles minus six and a half is a best bet. And then I'm going to go Patriots on, um, is that Monday night? Patriots on Monday night minus one and a half, also a best bet. As for the Tweed Trifecta, we're going to go Raiders, Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs. Eagles, Raiders, Cowboys, Chiefs. That gets you to plus 131. And then for the teaser, ooh, it's a lot of good options here. For the teaser, we are going to do Raiders, Bills, Eagles, and Cowboys. And we're going to tease it seven points. So we get the Raiders basically just win at plus a half. So if they tie, they still actually win. Buffalo Bills down to minus two and a half. So just win by a field goal. Eagles just to win. And then Cowboys to win by nine and a half. So give me 10 points on that one. They're good. That gets us to plus 180. So again, Raiders plus plus a half, just win. Bills minus two and a half, win by a field goal. Philadelphia Eagles plus a half, just win. Cowboys minus nine and a half, give me a win by two scores, and we are good. That is plus 180. The parlay gets us plus 140, plus 180 for the teaser, and the best bets, again, are Eagles minus six and a half, and then Patriots minus one and a half on the Monday night game. All right, that is going to do it for another episode of Between the Tackles. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new, please like, rate, review, subscribe, download the podcast. If you're a continued listener, appreciate the love. We will be back next week to recap and preview the games that are and talk about our gambling bets and see how they went. All right, fam, catch you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Peace.